Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. This is a bonus episode because it's that time of year when pretty much all of us have received our tag results. And this is going to focus mostly on elk hunting. It's going to focus on two things. One is what over-the-counter options remain. And two, this thing called point creep. Um, every year I read about point creep. We all experience point creep to some degree. Um, but I'm always surprised at how much point creep surprises other people. And hopefully when I give you some of the data and information I look at, you'll realize how point creep is just part of what we're dealing with and part of what we're always going to deal with. Um, but uh, before I get into this, uh, these bonus podcasts are brought to you by Go Hunt. Um, and you have a week from today. Uh, the deadline is June 30th at midnight uh, w- for you to use our promo code for signing up at the Insider in order to get your name in the hat for a Wyoming commissioner's tag. Yeah, so if you go to GoHunt.com and you sign up, for the annual uh, membership at GoHunt for their insider service. And you use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y. Your name's going to go in the hat for the commissioner's tag. Wyoming commissioner's tag, yeah. You get to pick any elk, deer, or antelope hunt and say, that's the hunt tag I wish I would have drawn. I want to exchange this commissioner's tag for that tag. There's a couple elk tags that are accepted but they're those ones that are accept or exempt whatever you want to call it uh aren't really ones that you'd use this commissioner's tag on anyhow so you do that and then you also get 50 dollars of mad money free credit in their gear shop so i'm trying to think about whether i want to start with over-the-counter options or if i want to start with point creep i think i'm going to start with the easier part over-the-counter options and it got a lot easier on June 17th because unfortunately Idaho which is usually considered the best over-the-counter option for the non-resident hunter they sold out all their tags on June 17th so there are no options in Idaho as of the time you're listening to this podcast and in the past the states that we've usually focused on are idaho colorado oregon and utah now yeah there's some in washington but washington is really a tough tough state we're talking very low harvest rates uh high costs a lot of crowding um now if you want to go hunt roosevelt's uh, over in the west part of the state if you look at the harvest rates and the bull to cow ratios those roosevelt units have way better than any of their other uh, the few places where you might be able to go and hunt rockies uh, rocky mountain out arizona the number of units are so so small um i don't even consider arizona in the possibility of an over-the-counter elk hunt in 2019 i think it was the idaho tag sold out july 31st 2018 i think it was sometime in late august 
2000, the year before that, what would that be, 2017 or 16? It was way into the season, like October. But this year they sold out in June. And I'm so thankful that I went and bought mine before they sold out. So this over-the-counter podcast really doesn't have Idaho as an option. So I'm going to instantly go to the next state. And I'm going to focus on Colorado, uh, Oregon, and Utah mostly. Uh, and the total cost in Colorado, 675 something like that, dollars. Uh, Oregon is going to be... 700 a little over 700 like between 700 and 750 and utah by the time you buy your hunting license which you may have already bought to apply uh the elk tag is just under 400 bucks so uh when you look at actual elk numbers uh colorado leads the pack uh (laughs) anywhere any measurement it's so far ahead of every other state uh but colorado usually has between 200 and 70 to 285,000 elk depending on uh, what the the post harvest numbers show them but it's always in the high 200 thousands uh oregon usually has somewhere north of 110 to 115,000 elk and utah about the same um so looking at those states uh, like i said i'm just gonna pass through arizona uh, idaho's off the chart so right away my eye goes to Colorado and the reason I'm going to go to Colorado first is there are so many units in Colorado that you can get an over-the-counter elk tag for the archery season and I think there are 92 93 I, I should look and know this for sure but there are a lot of units where you can get an over-the-counter rifle elk tag for the second season of late October or the third rifle season of uh, early November. So, and the reason I say Colorado is second behind Idaho is I'm looking at things like harvest success, bull to cow ratios, cow to calf ratios, and in those units, if you compare those in Idaho and Colorado, those are a significant notch above the other states. And in Colorado, a lot of the units where they achieve that success is the fact that they make it a four point. They have a rule about what represents an allowable bull to be taken. And so you end up with more bulls making it through. They usually end up being two and a half year old bulls or older. So, uh, Colorado is just a really, really good place to do it. And we're talking 23 million acres of public land to go hunt. We're talking some some pretty darn good units where the over-the-counter units have pretty good success rates. I mean, some of these places have success rates in, the, oh, I don't know, 20% and above. That's... That's really good. Uh, some of them even have success rates in the 30%. But when you start getting into the units that have 30% success rate and such, usually those are the units that have a high amount of private land. So access is going to be a challenge. Um, so Colorado, be thinking if you're an archery hunter or rifle hunter, you can do the second or third rifle season. Um, just a note that if you were going to go do that, I'd just acquire that tag before you even head out. Because if you go there before season is already, or, or if season has already opened, uh, 
one of the things you're going to run up against is that you have to buy your permit, your, your tag, from a Colorado Parks and Wildlife office. And when you do that, you got to make sure that you get there in time that the, the uh, office is open. Don't show up on a Saturday once season is already open and you think that you're going to get a chance to do this and you're like oops i gotta wait until monday till a parks and wildlife office opens so um that's one of the hang-ups that we often run into when people are talking about colorado but it's it's definitely high on the list and uh if if you were thinking that you want to go elk hunting this year you 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 really got to think about Colorado. And uh, so then you've got Oregon. Okay. Oregon has Roosevelt's and it has Rockies. <clears throat> Most of the, the over-the-counter stuff for Oregon when it comes to Rockies is going to be up in the far northeast corner of the state. And again, if you look at those, you're talking really low bull-to-cow ratios. We're talking like less between 10 and 15 as the bulls per hundred cows and some of them are six seven eight nine bulls per hundred cows so that's a really tough proposition to try eke out a a bull on but a lot of people go do it um and you know there's a lot of them that uh a lot of people who go do that are mostly doing it in the archery season um your, your odds get a whole lot better. Just be, Well, your odds get better of having encounters because the elk are vocal. Um, and then you have the Roosevelt elk in the western part of the state. And a lot of that is general rifle tag. Um, and I, a whole lot more of it, just about all of it, is general season in archery. So uh, if you're interested, I would say... Oregon, most people would rate that as the number three uh, over-the-counter unit. Idaho, Colorado, Oregon, and then some would argue that, no, Utah would be number three. Uh, I put it as number four just because the units that are over-the-counter, they they have really low success rates for the most part. Now, some of their muzzleloader seasons have pretty darn good success rates in, in the over-the-counter hunts. Uh, those take a little bit of a dip most often in the uh, rifle hunts that are over-the-counter. but And that's just a function of pressure. There's a lot of hunting pressure in Utah. And uh, there is in Oregon. There is in Colorado. Uh, but... Again, like a lot of states, the the over-the-counter units that usually have some of the best harvest success are usually going to be the units with limited amounts of public land. And there's uh, a lot of these uh, over-the-counter units in Utah. Uh, some, some will say, oh, no, you can only do spike only. No, there are a few units where you can do uh, bull. Uh, on that general tag uh, and some will say oh no you can only do it uh, archery in utah no there's some units where you can do it with rifle also so those are the over-the-counter places to look like i said unfortunately Idaho's not an option for you this year um it just is the way it is <laughs> uh things the idaho's popularity justifiably 
has grown a lot this year in in pre recent years uh, as has just general demand for elk hunting which kind of gets me to this next topic i want to talk about it's called point creep most of you know what i'm talking about when i say that and it's the fact that as you think in these are states with preference point systems so colorado was the first to start a preference point system uh it was followed by utah and someone saying oh wait a second utah's bonus point well half of their tags are truly a preference point system he or she with the most points draws the what they call bonus permits in utah so that was followed then by wyoming putting 75 percent of the non-resident tags on a preference point system and then we have arizona where 20 percent of the tags are on a preference point system and i use these examples because those are the states where you really see point creep in a bonus point system when you start squaring bonus points like montana does or nevada does you can start getting closer to a preference point system just because high point holders with their squared points are going to have such a much higher opportunity but i'm going to focus on the states that have preference point systems either totally or partially in their in in their application process and i'm going to talk about one the historical trends of those and if you observe those historical trends nothing should surprise you about point creep today or where it's going forward um, and i'm going to use an example uh in wyoming but i'm gonna before i do that just example of how wyoming uh how we're going to see this in wyoming that even if we didn't allow one if wyoming said no more non-residents are allowed into our system the amount of point creep that is still going to happen is in, just incredible and uh, wyoming doesn't close the gates and say hey once you churn through or if you're a new hunter you're not allowed here they take new people every year but let's look at these trends if you look at the trend in colorado the colorado trend was that people bought points bought points bought points and as they bought points the there were a lot of people on the sidelines saying eh, someday when it fits my calendar i will go or whatever and i uh, just you know it's just worth having these points just in case or whatever it might be their reason so you had people who were applying but you had a much bigger pool of people who were just buying points so if you only focus on last year's draw odds and at what point level it took to get a tag without analyzing the pool of applicants by point level that are over there on the sidelines just buying points you are probably going to be disappointed so we saw that trend in colorado where point creep really accelerated at about the their system had been in place about 15 years so the sometime in the early to mid 2000s their point system really started seeing this point creep and it exists today uh i think uh go hunt brady did an article uh that said his i think in there he said his dad is 60 uh i'm pulling it up out here on the insider yeah he said uh 
if my dad is 60 and today he has 16 non-resident points and he wants to draw one of the coveted Northwest Colorado uh, rifle tags, let's say unit 201, I think is the example he pulled off. At the rate they are churning people through in Colorado for those top tier hunts, the way that they are churning non-residents through, his dad would be 134 years old before he got to the top of the point pile. So that tells you how many people, are one, are ahead of him, not just ahead of him who are applying for tags, but who are ahead of him in these piles of point buyers, as I call them. So you can't, you, you, you can't look at just last year's odds. You have to start looking at some of this other information. And Go Hunt always gives you uh, worksheets. They do an article every year before each system of here's the point levels for non-residents in, in each state by each point level. So you take that information and you do what Brady Miller did out on the Insider article and you find out, wow, if I'm 60 years old, and even if I'm sitting on 16 points, I've been in this system since I was 44. There were so many people ahead of me when I jumped into the system that it's going to take me 90 years to plow through that system. I mean, obviously that's not going to work because everyone's going to pass away. And, <laughs> and so, uh, but... The point of that is there's a lot of people who are in point systems who do not realize that this glory tag they might have in mind will never come to them. So we take that then to the next place in Utah. And Utah, Wyoming, even Oregon has this situation. Uh, any, any state that has a blend between uh, preference tags that go to the highest point holder, which I call, no matter what the state calls it, I call that a preference system. And then there's a split where some of them go to either a random draw or go to a into a bonus point system. Uh, Utah is a good state to look at because they're probably not too far behind Colorado in the maturity curve, I'll call it, of of their uh, point buyers and in that maturity curve, what I'm talking about is how long the system has been in place, how long people have been buying points on the sidelines. And I'll use an example this year. My son, Matthew, went into this year's draw with 16 or 17 points. I always get confused. But anyhow, I looked at a unit last year, and there's one bonus tag and there's one random tag or, or bonus point tag. So there's two tags for the unit and I look at it and I see, aha, uh -huh, there's a person last year who was only one point ahead of Matthew who got the bonus tag. And there were two people that were two points behind Matthew. So now that we kind of cleared the deck of the guy in 2019 who had one point higher than Matthew, if I apply Matthew in this unit, he should draw if everything went the way as last year. But then I went and looked at the point pools of how many elk point buyers there were in Utah at each point level. And it's ridiculous how many it is. So 
I tempered the the expectation that Matthew would draw that one bonus tag in Utah this year by the fact that there are so many people above him. Even if, I think he's at 17 now. He went into this year's draw maybe with 16, something like that. But anyhow, here's what happens. So instead of everything shaking out like it did last year, if we could look in the rearview mirror, what happened is somebody with three points higher than Matthew, who'd probably been a point buyer, or possibly had been buying points uh, or, or applying for harder to draw units, all of a sudden Matthew's 16 points aren't enough. Somebody comes in with 19 points and they snap up that other tag, that, that one bonus tag. And there were other people who probably thought for sure they were going to get the tag because two guys jumped in this year that were two points above Matthew. So if you looked at just last year's and disregarded, and we looked at 2019 and disregarded how many point buyers are on the sideline, you would have started blocking out your calendar and making plans and, oh man, I got that tag. I'm I've got 16 points and I'm in line. Well, what happens? Three people, one with three points more and two of them with two points more than you, jump in and they grab that tag. So it's uh, it, that that's just a real life example of how it works. And some people would say, oh, that's point creep. Man, point creep got me or whatever. No, point creep didn't get you. What happened is you may not have been looking at the total picture. You were looking at the historical odds because those are always the easiest to rely upon when you start getting these point pools of or these pools or decks or stacks, whatever you want to call it, of point buyers. Now you have another piece of information. You have to look at their trends and you have to analyze how is that going to affect the likelihood that I will draw this year. So in a state like Utah, where the other half of the tags go into the, uh, you know, they're awarded based on uh, bonus points, not treating them as preference points, you still have a chance at that other tag. And the same in Wyoming, where you go into the preference point system as a non-resident, and then if you don't draw there, you go into the remaining pool for the 25% of tags that are just randomly issued. But... I, I tore apart the 2019 uh, point pile. And I'm going to go and show you that from 2019, there were uh, 1,500, slightly more than 1,500 maximum point holders entering, non-resident point holders entering the draw. So most people think, well, they all applied. Nope. 532 of those people actually applied. So out of 1,500 and some, a little more than 500 applied. The other almost 1,000 were point buyers. So <laughs> you're looking at the max point level in in the year that came between uh, in 19. Uh, one out of every three max point holders applied and two out of every three just bought another point. 
and you go through the deck, the stack of point holders, and you look at that same thing, and at these probably the top third of point totals, in many states, you have more people who are buying points than are actually applying for tags. And that number gets less and less as people, as you work your way through those stacks. And I think what it is, is, you know, Wyoming, I think, going into this year's draw was 14 points, if I remember. Uh, and so a lot of people at three, four, five, six points said, you know what, I, I'm never going to get out there in front with these those folks with 14. So I'm just going to go to a unit or a general tag or something that takes fewer points. So doing the math at the attrition rate of how Wyoming is either through tags being drawn, through the attrition of people dropping out of the system or forgetting to buy a point, or maybe they pass along or something. But anyhow, they, they go through some of these top point holders. And I looked at 2018 and 19 and said, well, if that was the average, if we just use those two years, I haven't grabbed 2020 yet because I, I don't think we know how many actually bought points in 2020. But we'll know that next January. But at this 14-point level going into or that came through the 2019 draw and got another point and they were sitting there at 14 points, at the average rate of attrition of that pool of max point holders, if you are thinking that you're going to draw one of these tags <laughs> that require max points, that pool of point holders, is they're not going to plow through that for eight years. Like It came down to 7.8 years. So if you're one point behind maximum, and you're saying, well, I'm just going to wait my time. I'm just going to wait my time. Well, each unit has its own variations. But if you look at it as a total, and you said, I'm only going to apply for units that take maximum points, it's eight years before they plow through everybody who's ahead of you. And yeah, maybe you'd luck out and you'd draw one of those 25% random tags in the interim. And you'd be like, well, it's still worth it to apply for these tags in, in these really high demand, hard to draw units. Well, a lot of them only have one or zero uh, random tags. So your, your odds get lower there. So let's say you're sitting at 13 points. You're one point behind maximum. So it's going to take eight years for them to plow through all the people in front of you. Now, let's say you're two points behind maximum. If you look at the historical attrition rate through drawing, through people falling out, not buying a point, maybe a few people pass away. Uh, if you're two points behind, now you got to get through the folks who are one point ahead of you and two points ahead of you. Based on history, it's going to take 16 years, 15.9 years to plow through that group of people. Well, how long is it going to take? Say you're at the 10-point level going into the 2020 draw. So that means there's the 11-point pool, the 12, 13, and 14-point pool ahead of you. There's four pools of point buyers and point holders ahead of you. Well, 
if and again this is based on the attrition rates at each of these point levels if you're going to hold out for one of these really really hard to draw tags that require max points and you're four points behind max so you were at 10 points this year disregarding the fact you could maybe draw a tag in the random 25 percent draw but you said i'm not one of those lucky people in the random draw i just got to bide my time before they get through everybody ahead of you in those other point pools it's 35.8 years 36 years before they get to your point level so right now you're sitting on 10 before they get to your point level if if you're one of the unlucky ones who doesn't draw in the random draw that's third you're gonna have 46 points before your pool your level of point holders is in the running and yeah like some year there's there's some tags that bounce from okay it needed max points this year next year it didn't or whatever um but i'm i'm taking those point pools in total and i'm doing this illustration the one brady did the one i did with matthew in utah the one i'm doing here in wyoming to show you that no matter the species, and I did elk in all these instances, but no matter the species, if this state has some sort of point system that's based on preference, you have to be looking at how many point buyers there are standing on the sidelines who are at your point level or higher than you. And you, if, if you're a, a junkie like I am, you can go back and get this data off the strategy articles from Gohan's insiders and get the old worksheets that are out there. You can see what those attrition rates are. And you quickly say, well, this is crazy. I'm, I'm never going to get to the front of the line. And point creep frustration. We, we get mad about it. This year, I saw a huge point creep in Wyoming antelope across all units, whether the regular draw or special draw. And if you had been tracking the amount of point buyers there were in Wyoming for pronghorn, this would not, what happened with pronghorn points in 2020 would not have been that big of, an, of a surprise. If you had studied how point systems have this maturity and all of a sudden at a certain time, point buyers start jumping off the sidelines and start applying for tags and they use 10 points to acquire a tag that last year they could have got with seven. That is just a trend and a reality of point systems, well, preference-based point systems. So none of that helps the person who didn't draw the tag. Like me, I, I didn't draw Wyoming pronghorn this year. I thought for sure I'd draw because uh, I had a point and I applied for a unit last year that some people with one point were in the running and they bumped the tags up a little bit this year. So I thought, well, with the bump in tags, I'll probably get it. Well, this year it jumped a point and a half. It took two and a half points or slightly less than three points to be guaranteed that tag in the special draw this year. So I could say, oh, I was really a victim of point creep. No, 
I knew that was a pretty good possibility because I spend a lot of time looking at the stack of people who have points and could jump in in front of me and looking at the trends, which if you look, <clears throat> I don't know if I want to say this, but I'm going to say it. If you look at the multi-year trends out there, and the and this is Go Hunt gives you five years of tr of trends to look at. If you look at that and you look at the behavior of how applicants jump in and jump out, you can't predict it completely, but it certainly sets your expectation that you know what. A lot of times. Uh, in a lot of instances, people jump in and burn way more points than they probably needed to, and that creates this thing everyone calls point creep. So that's that's just a long discussion that hopefully causes you to think about it, and as you plan your applications in the upcoming season, hopefully you'll give it some consideration when i say upcoming i should say for the 2021 season hopefully you'll give it some consideration and if you are in a state where you don't have a point system at this time new mexico idaho and wyoming residents i would advise you go and look at what happens in these systems especially when they get out between 10 and 15 years. Yeah, the people on the ground floor benefit. Sooner or later they benefit. But anyone who's 1.2.3, if you have kids, if you have whatever, or you draw your first year and now you got to jump back in with zero points, you're now not at the front of the line. It, <laughs> these point systems, they really don't solve what people think think they're going to solve and in a lot of instances they take that top tier of tags and completely make them off limits because as I illustrated in or Brady illustrated in Colorado and I illustrated in Wyoming if you're not at that point level that top point level you're not going to live long enough to get one of those top tier tags so anyhow uh I'm going to have Brady, before next uh, season, he and I talk about this stuff a lot. Um, uh, Brady Miller from Go Hunt. And he and I are going to, I think we're going to do a podcast on it. And I sent him an email the other day and he said, you know, we're already working on that kind of stuff. We're, we're putting together those kind of things because we also, the uh, Go Hunt also realizes that that's a piece of information that it's out there and it's in their strategy articles, but maybe people aren't looking for it as, as uh, closely, or maybe they just, it, their attention isn't focused on it, but um, yeah, yeah. I, this is a bonus podcast. I was just sitting here on my couch today, kind of bored, doing more analysis, thinking, trying to figure out how am I going to draw more tags and how am I gonna, not draw more tags, but how am I going to improve my odds just a little, little, little bit. And uh, I I was out on my uh, insider and uh, it's I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast on this. And the topic has been coming up. I own a forum called hunttalk.com. And a lot of people out on Hunt Talk have been discussing this same topic. And if you Google point creep, it's everybody's talking about it. And it gets worse and worse every year. And if there's one thing to take from this podcast, it is that point creep will get worse every year. 
it's just the way it is so don't don't get frustrated if you set expectations where you're you're thinking oh i'm right at the cusp i it took eight points last year i have eight points i'm i'm guaranteed the tag maybe you are but if you look and there's a bunch of people with the same or higher points than you who've just been buying points and utah publishes that utah has a worksheet in front of the the every uh species when they give you the draw by hunt code, they have a worksheet right there that says, here's how many non-residents and how many residents bought points only. You take that information and use that to temper your expectations. And hopefully you won't be frustrated if somehow you, someone jumps in front of you, like happened to me in Wyoming Antelope, happened to a lot of us, happened to Matthew in Utah. I mean, it just, it's part of what point systems are. So, Anyhow, I appreciate you hanging out. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate uh, everybody who follows our stuff. Uh, and like we said, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Go Hunt. And if you uh, go there before June 30th, you have until midnight of June 30th and sign up for the Insider using promo code Randy. The first part of July, I don't know, I think it's some before the 4th of July, I think. Go Hunt is going to pull the winner of whoever in the previous 12 months used promo code Randy. Someone's getting a Wyoming commissioner's tag. So how cool is that? Plus, you're going to get $50 in their gear shop. And hopefully, with what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know you could still go elk hunting this year. To me, that's the most important part. Go elk hunting. Whether you fill a tag or not, you're going to learn more. You're going to get some exercise. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to build special memories with your friends and family and hunting hunting crew. Uh, and, you know, as they say, you can't, you can't fill your elk tag sitting on the couch. Um, so there's tags out there. There's opportunities. Go and take advantage of them. So, anyhow, thanks for being here. Stay well.